Um, over the last few weeks, um, the Lord has uh, I, I brought a heavy conviction to my life, um, and through that conviction has revealed something that is incredibly uh, powerful, um, and it has been incredibly freeing for me in my personal life, and I, I believe in, our, in the ministry, in our church's life, and I believe it, it can and will be in your life. Um, and if you remember back a few a few weeks ago when, when we first told you guys about two services, I basically had about a 10 or 15 minute kind of repentance confession moment where I said, hey, God put this on my heart to do it at Easter. But out of fear, I didn't. And there was a couple different things that I named why I didn't fully obey God in this way. Um, and it all kind of came back to fear. And there was this, this captivating moment. And it was, some of you may know I spent a, um, uh, some time away from everybody and just spent some time with the Lord alone. And there was this captivating moment um, kind of in my life when I recognized how many literally hundreds of people came through in the period of time and, and either left or weren't, there weren't enough seats or there weren't enough parking or, or we weren't able to really you know, minister to them or, or reach them because I did not obey out of fear. I did not obey out of fear. God, and, I, and it just hit me and, I, and I, I realized just how much fear really could affect eternity in a kind of a huge way. Does that make sense? And, and I, so I just, and I have, I've, I've preached about fear before and I've talked about fear before, but I have, but God has just been, been revealing this thing to me about this idea of fear in our lives and how traumatizing it can be and how paralyzing it can be and how, how much it can literally alter our lives. And as I began to study, I noticed something about fear. And this is something that I, that the Lord just revealed to me just in a crazy way that out of everything in the Bible, out of everything that comes out of the mouth of God in the Bible. I mean, I mean, you think about whether it's sin or it's encouragement or if it's not God's not sinning, but talking to us about sin or, or talking to us about things that, you know, that, that through the prophets or idols of our hearts or, or things and, and or the Ten Commandments or just God guiding or directing or leading the Old Testament. Out of all the times that God spoke, either God spoke with his mouth or God spoke through, through a messenger or God spoke through a preacher or God even spoke through angels at times. And just out of all the times that God spoke, there was one thing that he spoke about the most more than anything, and there's really not even a close second, and you probably don't need to take long to guess what it is. It's about the idea of fear, and one of the things that he says the most, almost more than anything, not almost more than anything else, is the idea of fear not, or do not be afraid, or do not be discouraged, do not be dismayed, have courage, have courage, have, don't have fear in your life. I mean, oh, from Genesis to Revelation, over and over and over and over again, every time God begins to move, every time God begins to speak to people, he braces, he braces this, this reality of do not have fear, fear not, do not be afraid, have courage. And I'm just sitting there, all of a sudden, it was just like God's point. I'm like, if God goes out of his way to say this more times than anything else in Scripture, it's because God may know something about fear that you and I don't really know about fear. That there may be something so dangerous about the idea of fear and the spirit of fear and the emotion of fear that exists within our lives, that there may be something so paralyzing that, that we, can, we can live in it and not even realize it, but that God is super aware of this thing of fear and he just speaks to that more than he does anything else in the in scriptures as he's moving through the people of Israel, as he's moving through his prophets, he's moving through the apostles and the, and the, uh, the preachers and the teachers and the, the New Testament leaders as he's moving from Genesis to Revelation, the thing that he speaks to the most is this idea of fear. And it just hit me that God knows something about fear. Fear means something to God, or he knows it's important. There's something about fear that is so on God's radar that it's just frankly not on our radar a lot. Does that make sense? 
And I, and I think, and all of a sudden, I just, as I started to pour over the scriptures and just look and look up things and look at stories, I realized how many times, how many stories that you know, how many stories that you've heard, how many stories in scripture that you've seen that, that the idea of fear, God presents it to them prior to, in the middle of, and near the end of almost every major story that exists inside of scripture. God presents this fear not, don't have fear, don't be afraid. And I began to pray about this because it just this culmination of I'm sitting here and, and I'm just looking out and into the crowd. I'm, I'm seeing these numbers, how many people God has sent. And out of fear, I, 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 I did basically disobeyed God. It's hard for me to say that, but that's the truth. I, out of fear, I disobeyed God. And, and, and all these things kind of took place and happened. And I'm like, this, this is a deadly thing. This is a deadly thing, something way more deadly than maybe I ever even imagined. So I just began to study. And God kind of put this put this message on my heart to share with you guys as we move into this new season of our, of our lives and of the church's life. And I, I'm going to talk to you about what fear is really fast. Um, fear is, and, and I'm going to explain this because I, and I'm not, I didn't put it up there because I want you to listen to me and I want you to write this down and we're gonna, we'll put it up for you guys to get to later. But this is, this is what fear is. Fear is a presentation of a false reality of the future. That causes you to limit yourself in the present in hopes of you not living out God's purpose and promise for your life in the actual future. All right, I'm going to say it again. I want you guys to think. Fear is a presentation. The spirit of fear, what the spirit of fear does is the spirit of fear comes into your life and it presents to you a false reality of the future. So that you will limit yourself in the present in hopes that you will not be able to live out God's promise and purpose and plan for your life in your real future. Just think about that for a second. Fear is a false presentation, a false reality, a, a, a false reality of your future presented to you in hopes that you will limit yourself or change, your, change what's happening or not follow through or not do something in the present in hopes that you will not actually live out God's plan and purpose for you in the future. Does that make sense? The greatest example of this, and there's, there's a thousand examples, but the greatest example of this is the people of Israel standing in the cups of Jordan. I talked a little bit about this last week, and I'm going to talk about it again because it has just been weighing heavy on me. The people of Israel... All right, they, they've watched God take them out of Egypt, destroy Egypt, who was one of the strongest nations of the time, destroy the Egyptian army of the Pharaoh, parted the Red Seas, led them out through the desert for years and years and years, provided for them, did all kinds of crazy, miraculous things. They show up on the Jordan. They show up at the River Jordan. Right across the River Jordan is this land called Canaan, the, the promise. God said, this is the promised land. This is the land that, that I've given you. This is the land that I've created for my people. And when I'm going to put you in this land, and, and, and through you and through your generation, the line. I'm going to bless the entire world through you, but you've got to cross the Jordan, go into the land of Canaan, I'm going to hand, it, I'm going to hand the people into you. But they get there, after all the things that, that God has said and all the things that God has done, they get there and they stand on, on, the, foot, on, the, on the foot of the Jordan, the, on the river Jordan, and they, they're staring into it and they send 12 spies into it to kind of evaluate the land and, 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 and get, a, get an idea of what they're about to face and what they're about to go through. And, and they, what they find over there is they find these great walled cities and they find they have, they have a, a huge army. There's multiple people groups 
groups, and some of them they describe as giants. And, and, and we, found, we found skeletal remains of, of, of people average of 8 foot, 9 foot, and, 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 and I'm 5'10 I'm when I'm lying, 5'9 when I'm telling the truth. And, and, and to me, like 8 feet, 9 feet, I mean, like that's just a, that's, I mean, when you walk in and the average size person is, is bigger than Shaquille O'Neal, like you're just, that's a, that's a fear, that's a problem, Right? And, and, and they're like, yeah, they're, they're not only are they huge, but they have huge weapons and they have huge armies. And, 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 and this is all historically accurate. I mean, we've, we've gone through and we, we found some, and we know that there was these great walled cities, that there was these multiple people groups, that there was these huge armies, and, and, and they're all spying out this stuff. And they come back with this report, and they get before the people, and the spirit of fear sets in. The enemy begins to, to speak into the, and, and, and he presents to the spies this false reality of the future because they did not, what they came back with was this right here. We will go into the, the, the land of Canaan. We will cross the Jordan. We will walk in there and we will surely die. We will be defeated. They're too big for us. The walls are too big. Their weapons are too big. The humans are too big. There's too many of them. They outnumber us. They're, they're, they're everywhere. They're, there's, there is no way we can strategically get in there. They're too big. It's too great. They will, we will die. If we go in, we will be defeated. We will not conquer it. We will not live this out. If we cross the Jordan and we go into the land of Canaan, this is exactly what will happen. So the, the spirit of fear set in and presented to them a false reality of the future. And the reason why everything in fear is a false reality of the future is because you don't know what the future holds, right? You don't know what the future holds. You don't know what five minutes from now. There's a bunch of you right now hoping that I don't preach long so you can go home and watch football and the entire game you're going to have this because you don't know what is going to happen. Trust me, I'm not going to preach long because I want to go watch the game too. All right, I've got a spirit of fear that Cam Newton's never going to live up to his potential. All right? We got this, this, this spirit of fear, it just, it, just, it just keeps in. And you start thinking about the future and all the things that, that could happen, right? And if I wanted to just, I didn't plan this at all, so just go with me. But I mean, you think back. I mean, Cam Newton played one way the season we went to the Super Bowl. He played one way all season long. He goes into the Super Bowl, and it was like he just knew he was going to lose. Remember the famous ball that was over there? And he was like, eh, nah, I'm good. I don't need a ring. I've never been more upset in my entire life. I'm sitting over my, my dad, there's, there's my, my grandmother, everybody, it's like, and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs at the TV. I love Cam. I think he's, I think he's awesome. I'm just, I'm just messing around. Everybody has those moments. Right? But, but he played the whole game. He sat there and he played. He walked in there going, it's the Broncos. It's Peyton Manning. Maybe 50-year-old Peyton Manning, but still Peyton Manning. Best defense in the league. Well, let's just get through this thing. Hut. Right, that, that killer instinct that he had all year was just vanished. Right, that, that, that same thing with the people of Israel. That was such an impromptu <laughs> analogy. <laughs> Go Panthers. So they come back, and the spirit of fear has, has crept into the, the people of Israel. And, they, and they're, like, they're, they're not presenting this like, like oh, they're saying, this will happen. We will die. We will not make it. It's too big. It's too great. And it, the spirit of fear captivates the entire, that entire older generation. And so they're sitting there after all that God had done. They're sitting there, and they had convinced themselves of a false, they have been presented a false reality of the future. And in their very real present, they begin to limit themselves. And they said, okay, well, we're just going to sit right here on the Jordan. We can live. We've got a water source. We've got some woods over there. There's some goats we can eat. All right, we can, we can just, we'll just, we'll stay here 
because we know that we can stay here. We can live here. We, we, we can make it here. This is what's comfortable. This is not what's dangerous. We'll just stay here because and it's the false presentation of the future that had so handicapped them that they started to limit themselves. And that entire older generation died right there on the Jordan, never stepped foot into the promised land. Because they had been the spirit of fear presented to them a false reality of the future that caused them to begin to limit themselves in the present to the point that they actually did not live out their purpose and promising God. And I don't care what your theology is and where you kind of come from because we have all kinds of different realms of how we describe the why and the what and the justification of it. But that is the physical reality of what happened. God said, go into the promised land. They came back, were presented a false reality of the future. It paralyzed them to the point they limited themselves in the now. And that generation never walked in and accomplished what God told them to accomplish. Period. And if it can happen to them, it can happen to you. Over and over and over again, we see this reality. And that's why when, 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 when God raised up Joshua... To cross over, that's why the first 10 verses of Josh, the book of Joshua, is basically like, don't be scared, dude, all right? I got you. Don't, don't, be, don't be afraid. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Have courage. Be courageous. Just cross the Jordan. Just go. Because of how it paralyzed the entire older generation. Over and over and over again, God speaks to this reality. Because this is the thing that I want you to understand. The enemy cannot affect your reality. In any real way. He cannot touch you. He cannot, he cannot move in your life. This whole sense that, that, that the devil broke my washing machine. All right. He's not that strong. You give him way too much credit. All right. You just didn't take good care of it. All right. There, there are things like the enemy just took all my money. No, you spend it on stupid things. You don't know how to manage money. There's, you give most of the things in our lives we step back from and we blame the enemy when really it's just our own foolishness and disobeying the wisdom that exists in that scripture. The enemy's not that strong. He can't come, he can't come up to you and prevent you from getting to the mountain God's calling you to. But the, what he can do is he can present to you life. That's why the, nobody calls him the great, the great victor, the great winner. The, do you know what he's called from day one all the way to now? An accuser and a liar. Because all he can do is twist your mind up, convincing you to connect yourself to deceit. And that's what giving into the spirit of fear is. It's connecting yourself to a false reality, to something that is not real. And you begin to live your life in the present based off a lie of the future that the enemy presented to you. He didn't actually do anything to you. He just lied to you and you believed it. And you begin to live in your life in the now based off a lie of the enemy, not the promises and the truth of God. Do you hear me? This is the thing, this is the reason why a lot of the, those of you that, that don't ever tap in to what, the God, what God's doing, the move of God, the promises of God, 99.9% of the time, and, and God knows this, that's why he talked about it so many times, it's going to be not because you can't do it, because you chose not to do it based off some abstorable fear in your life. I think I was going for abstract, but I said something else. I think it was a combination of abstract and not normal, something, I don't know. Does that make sense? That's going to be what he does. He's going to feed your mind lies over and over and over and over again, causing you to limit yourself. And this isn't just in the Old Testament and this massive people groups. It's on an individual level. One of my favorite books of the Bible is 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. 
God used these a lot in my life because I have a lot in common with, with Timothy. The, the, Timothy was this young, really young preacher, he was a leader in Ephesus, and, and, and there was a lot of things kind of going on in Ephesus at the time, and, and, and there was just a lot of stuff. And I've just, the way that, that, that God used Paul um, to speak into Timothy's life has really just given me a lot of freedom. I've always loved this. And this is one of the things that, that caught me very, very, very young. And I'm going to share it with you. I'm going to read this to you. It's in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5. I'm just going to start right here because I, I, want, you to, I want you to see this reality at work you know, on a personal level, on an individual level in the New Testament. I am reminded, this is Paul, right in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. I am reminded of your sincere faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. So this is the reality. And if you kind of read before and you read, go on and you read after, you will see very clearly that, that what's going on, what's going on in Ephesus, and we know this from Acts and other extra biblical things, what's going on in Ephesus is chaos. God began to move so strong in the city of Ephesus that people began participating and there were so many hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Jesus and beginning to follow Christ that they quit participating in the, uh, the other religions who had built this big business, especially blacksmiths making little metal idols that went along with the way that they worshiped their gods. And there were so many people following Christ and not participating in those other religions that this huge portion of their overall city's financial stability was going bankrupt. That's pretty awesome, I think. And so all the blacksmiths and all the people that in, this, in these other religions got together and they started to riot and say, if we, don't, if we don't shut down this Christian thing, if we don't shut down the followers of Jesus, if we don't take out what's going on, we are going to be so financially unstable, we're going to break down, we're not going to be able to live. Like, that's a move of God. All right, and so there's these riots and there's this chaos, and but but in the God's moving and there's hundreds and thousands of people coming to know Jesus, and there's just this, all this stuff going on. And then you got Timothy, who's like this this young, super young guy come, coming up into this thing. And Paul's already warned him a couple times, like just don't let people hate you because you're young. You just can't. You got to go on. But Paul, and this is the second letter. This is this is the second letter and the second time he's coming to encourage Paul. And and yet you got to understand the Greek a little bit maybe to get the fullness of this. But this isn't like this, this isn't like a like yeah man you should go ahead and just fan it the flame the gift God has for you stop being a coward this is like dude wake up you have a gift that God has given you and right now it's about this big but you've got to fan this thing into a huge flame and do the thing that God has called you to do because you're not doing it and Paul says I know you're not doing it and you're not doing it out of a spirit of fear you're afraid there was something going on in Timothy's life that he was afraid of Maybe it was because he was young and he, he was afraid that people wouldn't follow him. Or maybe it was because there were people being persecuted and he was afraid he was going to fall into that. Or he was afraid that whatever, whatever it was, there was something limiting him. He was so afraid of something. He was operating in fear of something. There was a presentation of a false reality presented to him. And he believed that and he was limiting the gift that God had given him. To the point that Paul had to write a letter and say, dude, listen, you're the guy. You've been called to this place. If you don't do it, who's going to do it? God's given you this gift, but you're barely using it. You need to fan it into flame. You need to pour gasoline on it. You need to make it a ticking time bomb. You need it to explode. It needs to be huge and stop operating the spirit of fear, this thing that's holding you back because God's given you a spirit of power and a spirit of love and a spirit of self-control. Paul's saying you can't let spirit, the spirit of fear limit who you are in God. Does that make sense? 
And I think that that's where the vast majority of people live, especially followers of Christ in this day and age. Because God has, has called you to something. And, and I, I, get, I get tired of this, like, I'm, I'm just waiting on God to reveal. I'm waiting on God to call me. God has called you, at a minimum, to be a servant and to just serve and start operating the things that God has given you. Oh, I just don't know what my, my gifts are. Whatever you're good at, use those things for the glory of God. All right? There's not some hyper-spiritual, deep-seated thing. Okay, God's called you. Use the time, effort, talents, resources that you have for the glory of God. Anything else is disobedient. God said, I need you to go into all the world, preach to God, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Holy Spirit, spread the light, spread the love of Jesus, go and do this thing. There's your calling, so go do that thing. Does that make sense? There's not going to be a time like when you're sitting in there and you're just like, oh, you know, I'm, just, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to do anything. And then, and then one day God will come to me in the form of, of an angel and he'll tell me that I need to go. That, no, okay? It is, I promise you. And I can say that, but one, that's what Scripture says. And two, I've lived that out. The calling that, that I stepped into in my life came out of me just serving Jesus with all of my heart and all of my mind. Does that make sense? God's called me to be a preacher, but I didn't start off being, I didn't sit around and just wait until, oh, now I have a church. Now I'm going to go do this. I was, ser- I was doing everything. I was serving God. I was, I was participating in the mission of Jesus Christ, which is to lead people in a growing relation- a relationship with him. I was just serving. I was, I was just doing that thing, and then I was called into it. But there's, like, there's, this, there's, this, there's this mentality that like we, we have, we, we, we're just kind of sitting here, and, like, and when God begins to move in your life, or he begins to open up doors, or he begins to speak to you about, about doing something, there, there, there starts to be this, this idea of, of, of if I do this, this will happen. If I, if I commit to this, then this will happen. If, if I do this, and you don't even realize what you're doing, but you're beginning to operate in what? Spirit of fear. And, the, the, and he will latch on. This is the thing I want you to hear me in this, because there are things that you think you have in your life that are holding you back, and you like the idea of pride or comfort or some other desire, and you, you think that it's these things, but it's really a spirit of fear that's latching on to those desires in your life and using them against you. Right? Let me give you an example. So there are, be, there are literally people I know, they, they value comfort so much. I just want life to be comfortable. I want life to be easy. I don't have a lot of responsibility on my plate right now. I just want, I just want to be able to do this thing, and this job is easy, and this job is, and I can, just, I can just stay here, and I can just do this, and I can just kill this thing right here. And then when God's starting to call you to something different, Spirit of fear sits in and goes, you know what, if you do that thing, if you latch on to that, if you commit to that, if you go that direction, if you start that nonprofit, if, if you quit your job and you go that, I'm telling you right now, it's going to get super uncomfortable. You're going to lose this comfort. You're going to lose what's easy. You're going to lose this, and it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be hard, and you're going to be at risk, and you're going to be, and you're sitting there, and the enemy's telling you, if you go and do this, life is going to get super hard and super uncomfortable, and so out of a fear of things being difficult or hard, you stay in your little box. Does that make sense? There's a ton of people, I would say most people die in that little box of comfort, never doing anything what God has called them to, a spirit of fear. Same thing out of pride, dude. I know so many people, I, I've done this in my own life. There was at a season of my life, I was so afraid of being prideful that I would not take open doors that God gave me because I didn't want people to think I was being prideful. I, there, were, there were things that God was doing in my life that I wanted to share, but I didn't share because I didn't want to be prideful. And so you create this false sense of humility, and it's not just pride. It's a fear of being something that you don't want to be, and so you begin to limit yourself. Does that make sense? I mean, you go down the line. You, some of you, got, you have had this, this image of what life will be. 
your entire life. I'm going to go here, and I'm going to get in the corporate world, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to open up my business, and I'm going to climb this ladder, and I'm, I'm going to reach this financial stability, and then I'm going to retire early, and I'm going to go here. And then when God starts to move in your life, all of a sudden, the spirit of fear creeps in and starts going, no, that, no, 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 that stuff's going to happen. If you, you need to go left to get there. If you go right, you can kiss that goodbye. You can kiss that financial stability goodbye. You can kiss, you can kiss your, your hopes and your dreams goodbye. You can, this thing you've always wanted, you can kiss that. That's not going to, that will never happen. You'll never live in that. You'll never accomplish that. You'll never do that if you go right. And so all of a sudden, you've been presented, fear has presented you with a false sense of what the future will look like, and you begin to limit yourself and alter your present, missing out what God has called you to do because fear has told you you will not live out those things. But I want to tell you something different. What I want to tell you is, is that 99% of the desires in your your heart, God will give to you if you walk in obedience to him. He will move in your life. And the things that you think you, that you think is good and you think, they're not. But the desires in your heart, especially for Christians or people who feel the Holy Spirit, they will, it will, he, will, he will alter, he will, he will trick you, deceive you into thinking that God won't provide for you in that way. And so we, no matter what it is, we just begin to limit ourselves. And we can put ourselves in little boxes. I'm not going to step out. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do that thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to stay in my little box, and I'll die right here in the desert next to the Jordan. Life will go on. Here's the thing. Life comes and goes like this. I thought it was fast. I had a couple kids. Now life goes I can't, faster than I can snap. And the older you get, the more time speeds up. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So, it, it, what you have to understand, it's not like there will come a point in time in your life when there is no tomorrow. And as long as the enemy can, can, can paralyze you today, he knows he has you tomorrow. That's God calling. And I, and I was pouring up, and this is just the thing that I just, I, I want you guys to understand. I felt like the Lord has just, just brought me to, to tell you. The greatest enemy in your life is going to be fear. And what, I don't know the idols in your heart. I don't know the desires that you have. But when the spirit of fear begins to operate in your life, he's going to take those things and he's going to use them to paralyze you. He's going he's gonna to use those things, and he's going he's gonna to come and he says, you know what, you know what, oh, man. Do you know one of the ones that, that, he's, that he's been using in my life right in the spirit of fears has crept in right now? If I, I'm telling you, this may not make any sense to you, but it is para, it's, it is, it is, it is, it's been an issue for me. You will not be able to be a good pastor and a good father simultaneously. That if you, if you give the church the time it deserves and you lead and you follow through with what God is doing over here, you're not going to have time to be a good father. Well, that's not true, but it super feels true. And, that, and I'm telling you, and it might not make any sense to you. That's why they, people, when you, when you see somebody and they, they think there's a spider on them, but you can see that there's not, but they think there is and they start acting like a complete idiot. And you're looking at them like they're stupid, but to them, that's a real fear. That's how, when we look into other people's lives, people have come up to me and shared their fears with me. And my first instinct is, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but, it's, but that's what fear is, right? It doesn't even have to be real. You just have to think there's a spider on you. And I mean, you will absolutely lose your mind. You will do dance moves you didn't think you had possible. <laughs> scream louder than you ever scream. That's what, because the, the fears in our life, it sets in. And I, I, I've struggled with this. 
If, if, if God keeps growing the church and God keeps moving and God keeps going, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have to choose between one or the other. And, it, and, it, and this is no lie. Even, even King David, I've studied King David's life over and over and over and over and over again. Because uh, I've just been infatuated with this guy after God's own heart. And he was one of the greatest kings that walked the face of the earth. He did, and God accomplished things through him that we, honestly, we don't even fathom how great it was that he did in one lifetime. He united the whole people of Israel together. He led, I mean, he did great. He was a horrible father. Horrible father. Horrible father. And to the point, and, and, and to the point that this fear crept in and said, if King David couldn't do it, you can't. And that may, again, that may be so stupid to you, but that's what fear does. It creeps in and it starts to present to you a false reality, hoping that you will limit yourself, hoping that you won't go in. That's what it does. And so I want you to know that there, there are, there are fear, there, it's gonna, it's, you're not even going to think about it as fear. That's how deceptive the enemy is. That's how deceptive the, it's, you're not even going to think about it as fear, but it's fear. It really is fear presenting to you a false reality of the future and hopes that you will limit yourself now so that you won't press into the glory of God. And press into the promises of God and the purposes of God. And it will be for many of us, for many of us, if we, don't, if we get into that, we will, it, will be, it, will be, it will be one of the greatest defeats and regrets of our life. But it won't be the greatest sin. Because I believe that the spirit of fear will, will cause us to have the greatest defeats, but I also believe it will lead us to our greatest sin. And this is the thing that, that the Lord has just put heavy on my heart. Taylor, you can go ahead and come play. This is the thing that God has just put heavy on my heart. Because yes, the spirit of fear will cause you to limit yourself and put you in a box and keep you in your comfort zone and keep you away from what's dangerous and keep you away from stepping out. Keep you and just, it will cause you just to die in the desert. But that's not the greatest sin. That's not the greatest effect that fear has in your life. And this is something that the Lord just put in my heart so strong. And, and when he did, I literally just sat before him and I wept. I literally wept. He brought me to several scriptures in Isaiah, but one's Isaiah 51. And I just want to read this to you. And, I, and, and I'm going to explain the meat of why he's saying what he's saying. This is God speaking. This is Isaiah 51 verse 12. He just says this, I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear immortal men, the sons of men who are but grass, that you forget the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth? So I, I'm going to explain this thing to you, and, and you need to hear me. The greatest defeat, the greatest sin, the greatest, the greatest negative that comes out of the spirit of fear, truthfully, isn't you locking yourself into a box never living out the promises of God, the purposes of God. It's just not. It may seem like that. And in your mind right now, you're thinking, what, 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 what could be worse? What could be worse? What could be more important than me not living out God's purpose and plan for my life? What, what could be greater than that? What, what, what regret, what sin, what, what, what could come from this that would be greater than that reality? It's this reality right here. The people of Israel... They come to the Jordan, and they're standing there, and they walk into Canaan. The spies come back, and they say, the walls are too big. The people are too big. The weapons are too big. The cities are too big. The armies are too big. The quantity is too great. 
They're better at war than us. They've got more, more horses than us. They've got better. We're just never going to be able to defeat them. So they come back. The spirit of fear sets in. But I want, you, I, want to, I want you to see like in the spiritual world what is actually taking place. And this is the actual goal of the spirit of fear. This is the actual goal of the enemy. Not just to limit you. Not to put you in the desert and, and cause you to die there. Not to just strike fear into your heart so that you limit yourself. But this is the goal because this is the reality, especially in a deep spiritual sense, what the people of Israel said to the enemy and said to the land of Canaan. What they said was, my God's not strong enough to defeat you. God was strong enough to defeat Egypt. God was strong enough to take, God was strong enough to get us through the Red Sea. God was strong enough to get us through the desert. But now we've met God's match. I'm standing on the Jordan and across the Jordan is the people that God can't defeat. Those people are stronger than God. They're bigger than God. God can't provide for us. God can't lead us. God can't guide us. God can't give us victory. We finally met the match of God. God can't do it. That's the sin of giving in to the spirit of fear. Because humanism wants to pump you up. And the people, when they came back, they, they kept saying, listen to their language. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. There are more of them than us. In reality, the only other two, Joshua and Caleb, were like, yeah, they are bigger than us. Yeah, they are stronger than us. Yeah, the armies are greater, and they're more talented, and they're bigger, and they're better than us. But they're not better than our God. And if we cross into the land of Canaan based on the reality of who our God is, not on the reality of who we are, there is no one that can stand against us. There's no one that can defeat us. There is no army that will not lay waste at our feet. Every foot, every step we take, every foot we lay our ground, that will become ours. Not because of who we are, but because of the greatness of God Almighty. And when God comes to them, when God comes to the people of Israel in Isaiah, and he says, I, even I, am the one who comforts you. This is his question. He's not trying to encourage you. He's not trying to build you up. He says, it's I'm the one comforting you. I'm the one providing for you. I'm the one protecting you. I'm the one handing victory over to you. And who are you to have a single fear in your life and portray that I am weak to the enemy? He looks into your heart and your life, and he says, who are you to be afraid? Don't paint the picture to this world that I'm weak because I am strong. Don't paint the picture to this world that I can't provide because I am the provider. It's one of my names. Don't paint the picture to the enemy and to the world that I can be defeated because I can't be defeated. He says, who are you to be afraid when you know in your heart that I'm the one that is here for you? You get what I'm saying? You're not just limiting yourself. You're tearing down the name of God when you live in fear. When you choose to not get out of your comfort zone, when you choose to not go to two services, when Lord God Almighty made it so clear, what I said to this town and to my people was, God's not strong enough to provide. God's not strong enough to give it. God's not, gonna, God's not going to. That's the greatest sin. Because God will not be made a fool. Period. But when you have somebody who says, you know what, they are bigger than us. They are stronger than us. There is chaos out there. There is all the, but God's with us. I'm telling you something right now. I've just made the decision in my life. I would rather die in Canaan. I would rather die in Canaan, making known the greatness and the glory of God, than die comfortably in the desert. Because the reality is you're going to die no matter what. It's just how you spend the seconds you have in this life. For me and my house, I'm going to serve every second, 
not operating out of spirit of fear, but operating out of spirit of power and love and self-control, believing and knowing God's got my back. And there is no opponent stronger than my Father, stronger than my King, stronger than my God. So every mountain that comes, I'll walk it. Every wall that comes, I will beat on it. Every enemy that comes, I will fight. When God says, go right, I'll go right. When God puts words in my mouth, I will speak. I will have no fear of man, no fear of failure, no fear of defeat, no fear of the enemy. Not because I'm strong, but the God I serve is strong. So as we go in to this new season, and I'm telling you right now, if you come to this church long enough, there you're going to be faced with it. God's going to start moving in your life. That's just what happens here. Period. I know you thought, man, it's a really cool church. We're going to come and just sit in here. Not. God's going to start moving in your life. He's going to start leading you somewhere. And it's going to be the spirit of fear you will have to face. And in that moment, I challenge you. Don't lean on your own strength. Lean on the strength of God. Lean on the strength of God and accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. If you guys are